Hello, professional property managers. Andrew Smallwood here, host of the Triple Win Podcast, and I have Phil Vera with me today. Uh, Phil, if you if you haven't followed Phil, he's the CEO of Aubin Realty, and Aubin has uh, has over a thousand units under management across four different markets. And so, as Phil and I were talking just before we hit the record button. You know, Phil was mentioning how he's listened to the Triple Win podcast, and we've had Todd Orchide, who's in a couple of markets uh, with a few hundred doors and, and coming up, and then you've got Matt Whitaker approaching 5,000 doors across some different markets, and Phil's like, man, we're, we're kind of in this cool place in Auburn where probably some of the listeners are, you know, in between and some, some different challenges that they're encountering right now, and uh, I just... Looking at what we're going to cover, I think you all are going to really enjoy this conversation because uh, we're going to start off with the pod system. Uh, we're going to talk about the different kinds of roles that Phil has on his team. And I think what you'll appreciate is a lot of like the thinking and the philosophy you know, behind what Phil and his team are doing. Uh, so we're going to unpack that. And you know, we're also going to talk about optimizing for trust and relationship and brand loyalty as opposed to transaction value. So we're going to cover some great stuff here, Phil. I'm very excited for this conversation. I know we've been looking forward to this to, for a couple of weeks since we booked it. Um, but as, as a way of getting started, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got into property management and, and Auburn Realty and a, a little bit more about you? I know you, I think you're an Ironman, you're an athlete. You know, would lo would love for you to touch a little bit on you, so people can get to know you a little bit. Absolutely, Andrew. So thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully, uh, I've got to follow Todd and, and Matthew Whitaker. So hopefully, your subscription base doesn't just plummet uh, after <laughs> after having me on. But uh, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, probably similar to to most people, they get to property management. Uh, I don't think anyone goes to to grows up high school, college, and says, "Hey, I want to be a property manager." It's almost the, the road less traveled. It's almost by accident. Uh, so I went to the University of Georgia. Georgia graduated with a, an agriculture degree in turf grass management. Uh, most people don't even know that's uh, that's an option, but it is. Uh, so I grew up playing sports and uh, wanted to work on baseball fields and golf courses uh, and did. I was in the golf business for 10 years, um, spent seven of those years at Augusta National Golf Club. So for any golf fans, um, you know, kind of the pinnacle of, of golf and, and spending uh Prep, spending time prepping for the masters and that sort of thing. So from a business standpoint, um, it gave me a lot of perspective on, on kind of, uh, doing things at, uh, at a different level, just the exposure I had, um, you know, international televised sports, that sort of thing, um, major operations. So it was fun to be a part of that. Uh, went back to school, uh, realized that a turf grass management degree, um, you know, uh, has some limitations in the workforce. Uh, when my wife and I were looking to start a family and that sort of thing, wanted to make a change. So I went back, got my MBA and always had a passion for real estate uh, investing, uh, more of the investment side, flipping houses, um, owning rental properties. So was looking to kind of uh, make a move there, jumped into uh, commercial real estate and worked for a local firm here in Augusta. We were leasing um, enclosed mall space in secondary and tertiary markets. So hands down, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Uh, leasing commercial space is tough, but enclosed malls, enclosed malls uh, kind of on the downswing. Uh, but also another opportunity to see great vision 
written from the owner of the company who was looking to reposition um, what was the best piece of land in some of these secondary and tertiary markets and uh, and utilize it for redevelopment. So I got kind of a crash course and, um, you know, reposition, redevelopment uh, on a large level and uh, ultimately uh, landed here at Auburn uh, with an opportunity to jump in as the first account manager, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Andrew, and um, kind of jumped in at a, at a time of transition for the company and, you know, had a lot of ideas on, on where the company could go and that sort of thing. And just through some transition, I uh, was able to work my way up to the CEO and, uh, and here we are. So, um, you know, we're just over a thousand units now. We're in four markets, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Augusta, Georgia, Columbia, South Carolina, and Charleston, South Carolina, uh, and looking to kind of keep expanding and grow that. So like you mentioned, we're, we're in that messy middle, no man's land, I think are the two common terms most people use, um, but trying to figure out, uh, you know, scalability, um, profitability with those things, and, and obviously putting our twist on that to, to stay competitive in the marketplace. That's, that's really great. Thanks for giving that background. And that's, it's interesting. I didn't know your background in, in, uh, in commercial. And I knew you were an Augusta guy. And I knew yep. you were a, a golf guy. But, uh, but at Augusta National, as somebody who, uh, who peaked in high school in my golf career. But, uh, <laughs> you know, always a fan. And uh, that, that's really incredible. That's really cool. So, you know, Phil, I know what sparked this was... Um, you reached out and within like two sentences of reading your email, I'm like, we've got to have Phil on the podcast <laughs> because what you shared, even within just a couple of sentences of email about the pod system that you guys have set up and executed, it's unique because many companies, you know, we even teach our sales team. Like when you're talking to a company, you can ask them is, is your structure of your company, is it departmental or is it portfolio? And mostly what we see out there is departmental. There, there are some portfolio companies as well. And both kind of have their pros and cons uh, and challenges that people encounter with, with working through those. You've kind of taken a hybrid approach, and it's what you call the pod system. Can you explain a little bit of that to the people listening, what that is and how that works? Yep. So the founder of our company, Tyson Schutze, uh, he founded Auburn and then within a few years, uh, major hedge fund rolled into town and he left to go consult with them for a while and then ultimately came back to Auburn to kind of use what he learned at the hedge fund in scalability, growth, that sort of thing, uh, and bring that into Auburn. And how could we take what the best parts of what he learned versus, you know, any mistakes we had made in the past, et cetera, and, and take the best of everything and, and put it all into Auburn. And that's where we started tinkering around with the you know, traditional property management system and how we wanted to uh, really change that and kind of disrupt some of the industry. And ultimately what we, what we determined was that most property management companies have a traditional property manager. And so that property manager is tasked with talking to the investor, uh, talk, talking with the resident, doing leasing, doing renewals. Uh, they're handling maintenance coordination. They're trying to handle turns on the back end. And so they're, they're essentially a jack of all trades. And that doesn't that that works okay, uh, but when it came to investors and really getting full service quality management, uh, there had to be a better way. And 
we determined that what if we could get role specific, a lot of focus, a lot of clarity in the individual parts to ultimately increase an investor's uh, return on investment. Uh, and what we came up with was the pod system. And the pod system is basically a team of people. It's it's a hybrid between departments. So we still have departmental meetings. Uh, they're portfolio based in a sense that they have a group of investors and those investors properties uh, in their portfolio, but essentially created a new team of people that would manage and oversee uh, the properties. And that team includes an investor account manager. Uh, so they are the investor's main point of contact. They build a relationship with the investor, uh, you know, provide updates, communication flow, uh, all of those things. They, if an investor has a question, they pick up the phone and they call, uh, you know, their investor account manager and they have a direct line in, which once again, most property management companies are getting kind of a call tree or something like that. Uh, we didn't want that experience with, with the investors. Uh, we, we kind of went outside of the norm and we created the resident experience manager. So traditional property management, we're focused on the investor. That's our client. Uh, you know, the resident pay your rent. If you don't pay your rent, we'll find somebody else who can. We wanted to kind of think outside the box there and say, okay, the resident is important in investing because if we can decrease vacancy and reduce turnover and keep the residents happy, uh, they'll stay in our properties, uh, you know, for long periods of time and ultimately increase the investor's return as well. And so we created the resident experience manager with that mindset that the resident would also have a direct line of communication. When they call and they have a question on their account, somebody picks up the phone on the other line. Uh, and that was, that was, you know, a few years ago, that was very uh, different frame of thinking. I think there are a lot of people coming around to that idea now, uh, but that was a big part of this that we, we even titled it resident experience manager because the better experience that they can have, um, and we can talk about it a little later, the, the more brand loyalty, the more trust we can build, um, it helps us with our operations in terms of scalability, growing, implementing new fees, different things. Um, between the IEM and the REM, it also it also creates some positive conflict. And we got that term from uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage, uh, which I think a lot of property management companies, a lot of businesses are su subscribing to the EOS uh, system. We went non-traditional and read this book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, uh, which we you know, fell in love with as a leadership team and said, this is how we want to build our culture. And this is how we want to establish our company. Um, and so between the, the investor account manager and the resident experience manager, we're creating some positive conflict. We've got two people kind of defending two different sides of the table. And ultimately, that's going to provide us with the best solution for the problem in uh, a win-win scenario, uh, which we subscribe heavily to. The other two parts to this were a maintenance coordinator and a project manager. So everyone's looking out for the people, but from an investment strategy, no one's looking out for the asset. And the asset plays a big role in this, and that that's what you're purchasing to uh, to help you know make money or, or whatever the goals may be for the property. And so the maintenance coordinator looks after the short term protection of the asset when it's occupied by a resident and the project manager handles the turns and looks after the long-term investment of the asset. Um, a little more CapEx focused, that sort of
of thing. Uh, but it was a, it was, it was something once again, that was a little different where we wanted to place emphasis on the asset and be proactive because in some of those items, you know, we look at the life expectancy of HVAC units, water heaters, and if we can swap some of those out prior to on a turn before they happen in maintenance, it's going back to that resident experience. It's going back to that investor experience. And if we can maintain those as, as much as possible, um, it, it provides for a better outcome for all parties involved. So that's where we get the triple win. And kind of when, when I heard the idea the last time we talked, I thought, man, this, this pod system is, is perfect for uh, what I think you guys are trying to do and, and where we are. Um, it's, you know, it's not perfected. I don't think anything ever is. Uh, we're still trying to determine how many properties the pod can handle, uh, how many investors the pod can handle. So from a scalability standpoint, we're just over a thousand doors. And our model was if a pod can handle X amount of properties, then as we scale, we'll just hire a new pod and we can hire that team ahead of time, grow it, scale it, put forth the marketing dollars uh, to get to their max capacity. And and we've even seen the trends that as we get closer to the max number of properties a, a pod can handle, profitability goes up, et cetera, et cetera. So we're making kind of uh, future investments into, into our market with the pod-based system and it's working. Um, there are some challenges to it, no doubt. Uh, with technology and automation, we're certainly trying to find the balance of how much automation can we put, but still give that level of customer service that we're, that, that's our goal is customer service. And I think everyone is backending VA's automation. We believe in that as well, but we want to kind of back in the, or, or automate the back end items. Uh, so that frees up our time. I think a lot of people are uh, shrinking their, their personnel and their staffs. We're not, we just want to back in to free up time so that we spend more time building the relationship with our investors and our residents. Hmm. Phil, there were like five things I'd love to go <laughs> deeper with you on that you covered there, but you know, just a, a quick observation that I want to make sure everyone listening, you know, captures uh, in, in everything that you shared is, you know, if I'm a property manager and I'm listening to this, I'm probably thinking, okay, this isn't the tactical, practical thing that I'm going to take two minutes from now and implement uh, and four minutes later, you know, <laughs> it's working the way that it's working with Phil. Like, I think what people are hearing is, hey, there's this philosophical shift that's really important. And you think about how a lot of property managers will title uh, certain personnel, right? And it's it's transaction-oriented, like a leasing agent, right? And it's, it's about that lease transaction, that activity. It's activity-oriented. It's, it's transaction-oriented. And a shift that you've made is we're going to be relationship-oriented as opposed to transaction-oriented. So we've got this resident experience manager. We've got this, you know, investor account manager. And those people are responsible for, they own the relationship. They own the communication. And we're going to be committed to excellence in that way versus committed to, you know, owning a process. Now, you also mentioned there's maintenance and a project manager for the kinds of things that aren't, 
you know, th- that are s- much more process oriented and having people that are experts in that so that these people are enabled to, uh, you know, focus on these relationships and create value. Like that's such a, like a, a business owner could tomorrow go to their leasing agent and just say, okay, you're the resident experience manager. But if they don't have the, the thought process, if they don't have the point of view that you all have, which takes some time, it takes some internalization, it takes probably listening to podcasts like this over and over again and talking directly to people like you to really get there, that shift. Um, you know, one, once you have that, then you start to see it show up in these kind of visible ways, like you're talking about, like a new title, like a new uh, structure of the way of doing things. And the kind of stuff you say you're still dealing with, in my mind, it's like, it's all optimization. Like, okay, how many can a pod handle? But you've already made this fundamental shift that's really important and really interesting. And I want to ask you a little bit uh, to go deeper on, of the five things, here's what I'd like to focus on next. You know, you mentioned the word experience and that that was like an intentional choice. Give us a little more depth and color on like, why was the word experience important to you? Um, how do you think about experience? And it may be things from books like The Advantage or, you know, other places. You Share with us a little more on what motivated you all to think through that lens, through that frame. I think, Andrew, when, when we look at kind of what we set out to do several years ago, it was, it was to be very intentional, to be very transparent, to be very raw and and kind of do most investors the feedback we were getting when we polled everyone is we just want you to to do what you say you're going to do and it's as simple as that right uh and, and i think so many times there are these um you know over promise under deliver type scenarios and i said hey you know we're we're in investment real estate you're you're in property management things don't go right we're going to fix them. We're going to get through them. Just, just do what you say you're going to do. And that gave us a, just a very clear, raw picture of it's, it's as simple as that. It really is. Um, we, we need to set strong expectations uh, throughout the entire process. And so from that, as we created the pod, created titles, created job descriptions, um, we very much wanted to be transparent in in all of that um, because we wanted our people to come in with the with the confidence and clarity that they were they were um, you know excelling in their roles and so when we looked at the word experience and um, and the resident experience manager uh, most people know that the the rent or someone's mortgage or rent is the biggest cost associated with them um, on a monthly basis. Uh, so, you know, there's you can automate some of that, but you really want to engage the resident. Uh, we want to know who we're renting to. We want to, um, you know, send them a birthday card, handwritten notes. We, we really wanted to get to to this high level of customer service that you can't automate. And it really is all about the experience. And we looked at it from top to bottom. Um, At the time, about 24% of our portfolio was uh, low income section eight based. We're down to about 18%. Um, But even looking at it across the board, we were renovating our houses at a much higher level. Um, and we still do. We're putting granite in some of these lower end houses, uh, you know, making them nice. Uh, my, my take was it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you come from. Um, 
you still watch HD, HGTV. You're still a human being. We, we need to kind of um, just, just, you know, treat others the way we want to be treated. And it's as simple as that. And we looked at the experience and said, we want to make it easy. We want people to like working with us, whether it's from the investor side or the resident side. Um, we, we don't want to make it complicated. Um, and I think too many times uh, the advantage Patrick Lencioni talks about, uh, people think that big business, you have to have some level of complexity. And you don't. It needs to be very simple, uh, very easy, uh, very a very smooth, fluid process. And so that's what we wanted to create for the resident was we want to help you find a home that hopefully you'll stay in for many years. And that, you know, by providing that, if we answer the phone when you call, if we are quick to respond to your your maintenance request, if you have any additional requests, how, how can we help you? And in doing that, um, I think it's just very much a part of today's culture. Uh, I think we're going to experience with the younger generations a, a huge shift in experience. Um, you know, a lot of them are experiential in the fact that they're traveling, they're living different places, all of these things. And we wanted to be on the forefront of that, that uh, it didn't matter who the, the resident profile was, uh, didn't matter if it was a class A property or a class C property, uh, we were, we wanted everyone to have the same high quality customer service experience. Uh, and I read, uh, I'm a big Disney fan. So I've read tons of books on Disney, but, uh, we just, we just felt like we could bring that to property management. Property management had always been such a rigid, uh, for my, you know, kind of research, a very rigid matter of fact, this is how it is, uh, type industry. And this was part of our disruption plan, if you will, was Zillow's coming, Redfin's coming, hedge funds are coming. But I think that there's still some level of relationship that will always be in real estate transactions. And we wanted to make sure that we were maintaining that. And, and Tyson will always say, when everyone zigs, we zag. And when everyone went automation VAs, we said, hey, we can do that, but we're still going to keep this level of customer service uh, and experience in play. And that's going to be the difference maker to our competitors. And if we can do that at a thousand properties, 2000 properties, 5,000, 10,000, um, I, I think that we can, I truly believe that we can based on the pod system. So the pod system can be scalable and we can maintain that. So <clears throat> think about trying to manage 25,000 properties, uh, it's, it's automation, it's big tech, it's, uh, it's big hedge funds. How much customer service are you getting, not just on the investor level, but all the way down to the resident level or even the protection of the, the asset? Um, we believe we can, we can maintain that on scale. That, that's so big. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, what I'm hearing you say is as you think about scale and we see these like two different approaches to value creation happening in the marketplace today. And one that you mentioned is, Hey, there's been a lot of movement to, to VAs. And it's not saying that that's the wrong approach of saying, Hey, how can I get my labor cost down? How, how do I reduce costs? And it, you know, but here's the thing, fast forward five to 10 years from now, like eventually what are you going to have? You're going to have a very commoditized, low margin business if that's all you do. If that's yeah. all you do. 
eventually you go from shaving quarters to shaving dimes to shaving nickels to shaving pennies and you're in the mcdonald's versus burger king you know 99 cents versus a dollar nine cent uh you know (laughs) kind of business um and it's a race to the bottom if that's all you do but yeah on the other side you know i hear you saying we believe there's a lot of value to be created in the relationship in the trust and brand loyalty, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it's coming through in the way you're talking about uh, these kind of things and how you see these opportunities and saying the experience we create, you know, can be so relevant. And how do we create a resident experience so good that residents don't want to leave? And we know one of the keys to the SFR game is how do you reduce that vacancy cost and how do you keep great residents renewing uh, and behaving well, you know, like your best residents do over the entire, you know, leasing period that they're with you. Um, So that's one thing. Then then you're saying, how do we create this investment experience that's so good investors want to hold forever and and they don't want to sell. They want to buy more property that you manage. How do you create that? And how do you create an experience for your team that's so good you know, they want to be in this business forever. And they say, this is a great industry to be in. And our company's going from 1,000 to 5,000 to 25,000. Like, we're going places. Um, you know, that, I think, just that kind of thinking and asking those questions over and over again, more important than the specific answer at any one point in time of <laughs> what's, what are we doing with resident experience is that your team is continually asking those kind of questions. Um, that's different than a lot of what you see. And it's saying, we're going to do both. We're going to, of course, be efficient and we need to be scalable and we need to leverage, you know, VAs and technology and all of these things to be efficient and be competitive. And we need to look for where can we zag? Where can we create differentiating value? And this is something we talk a lot about at Second Nature. It's, it's basically the mission our entire company is on, which is as opposed to the companies that are saying, how do we equip the self-managing landlord with technology and tools and support, et cetera, so that we can close the gap between what they can do on their own and what a, a professional property management company like Aubin can do today? You know, what we're trying to say is how do we help companies like Aubin that want to go this direction put a freaking Grand Canyon between them and the service and experiences they provide versus what an investor can do on their own. Uh, and that's going to be the fun race and the fun bets to make, you know, over time <laughs> the next decade. But that, that's Absolutely. what we believe in. And, and that's what we're all in, all in on. And, you know, that's why we're grateful to be partner with companies who align with that philosophy like you of just how can we do things that are different, that enhance our value. And I want to talk about that for a second. When you talk about brand loyalty, you know, sometimes companies and businesses, again, they're maximizing transaction value versus relationship value, that point of view. And, you know, you talk about, hey, profit is, of course, important. Like your business doesn't survive without profit. But I think you really see, based on our previous discussion, profit is like a byproduct, right? Uh, it's a byproduct. And that what you guys are focused on first is this, how do we provide value? How do we really create the best experience and relationship? You know, focusing there first. Um, can you talk a little bit more just about, you know, what does brand loyalty as you define it mean to you? And, and how are you thinking about 
trust and the importance of trust in these relationships in the years ahead? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I think, I think the definition is, is right in the sentence you just said, and it's as simple as brand loyalty to us is trust. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, we want to create a, a network of residents, investors that trust us. There's full transparency, uh, full integrity. And when you get to scaling, you know, a, a lot of these out-of-state investors are coming in. Um, that's your entire reputation. And if you lose that, uh, you, you're done um, for, you know, just, just kind of being matter of fact. Um, so, you know, we, we look at building that trust with the resident, building that trust with the investor. And when we looked at, at businesses, I, I think it was just um, referring back to, to Lencioni's The Advantage. We determined that the, the best players on our team had these core characteristics of traits, core char characteristic traits, and, um, and started kind of building our team and our culture around that of um, brand loyalty and value. If we just set out to do what we say we're going to do, if we do the right thing, um, profit come, right? It'll be a byproduct. But when you look at the apples and, and the larger organizations that have this, um, kind of size and scalability is, is just what happens, right? It's just what comes. And Alban didn't spend any marketing dollars for the first eight or nine years of its existence. It was all uh, referrals, um, residents, investors, that sort of thing. And we, we realized we needed to, to spend on marketing to grow a little bit. Um, we, we like to incorporate, we're, we're trying to figure out what's responsible growth and, when it came down to doing the right thing, doing what we say we're doing, what we say we're going to do, um, profit just we're going to make money, right? People are going to pay for that value. And and you mentioned it earlier, we didn't want to be on that race to the bottom. That was not something we were interested in. Uh, was was lowering prices, dropping fees. Um, you know, call us the boutique brokerage. Uh, and so many people, that's like the number one question is is what's your fee? What are your costs? we train our folks that, you, you know, you're going to get uh, some sort of rebuttal on, oh, well, I'm going to go with this other company because they're cheaper. But what we do is we sell the value. This is what we provide. This is what, here, what we're here to do for you. This is what our team can do, our pod system can do. And with that, it's a no-brainer. And, and we close a lot of the leads we get that way because we're selling that value. We're, we're, we're very transparent, very, uh, very good at laying out expectations with, with our clients and our residents. And because of that, I think it's refreshing to a lot of people. Sometimes, you know, that they're hearing things they don't want to hear, but they, they understand it. They know it. And I think that confidence of us being direct with them, um, it, it, it's refreshing. It's something that they're not accustomed to, but they need to hear. And, and because of that, uh, it's that brand loyalty. Okay. If, if they're willing to tell me this up front, um, there's a level of trust here. Um, you know, we're going to be able to, uh, to, to just trust 3000 miles away that they're going to be looking out for the best interest for us. And, and ultimately what it came down to Andrew was that's, that's what we're here to do. We're not ever going to sacrifice that. Um, profitability is there. And obviously we monitor that and that's something big in our organization. Um, but we're never going to sacrifice, uh, integrity, um, trust, uh, for the sake of profitability. We're just not going to, 
implement fees or, or do this or do that. We need to find that balance of, of the triple win. And I, I think too, what we talked about earlier, building that trust with the investor and with the resident, uh, it makes it a lot easier for us to incorporate different things. Uh, for instance, the resident benefits package, you and I have have talked um, for years now, I think that initially we said, hey, uh, I made the call uh, years ago, hey, Andrew, we're, we're actually going to downsize from Filter Easy. We're not ready for this. Um, we're we're, we're we're not at the point where we can structure this into our system, um, but let's keep the conversation open. And we've talked over the years and we actually scaled down filter easy to the point where I called you a few months ago and said, Hey, Andrew, we're ready. Um, this is what we have going on. This is what we've built. This is the structure and the culture we've put in place. Um, you've sold us on the, the resident benefits package and how that's a value to our uh, resident now. And because we have that trust and, and loyalty from our resident, we can sell that to them. And, and profitability is a byproduct of that. We're doing it because it provides our residents true benefits. Otherwise, we, we can't sell it, right? We don't have um, the, 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 the mustard or the courage to sell that product to them. But now, we can because it, it truly is providing value to them and profitability is a, a byproduct of that. Hmm. You know, it's so great. It, we can use this as a really practical example. A lot of the audience will understand because what we saw a couple years ago with resident benefits packages was again, a lot of people coming from this transaction maximization mindset, meaning, mm-hmm. How do I take things like 24-7 maintenance coordination, online portal, vetted vendors, which, which are, are important things, what we communicate is these are important things that are part of that Grand Canyon of professional property management that a self-manager can't do on their own that we do want to articulate. But the problem with the transaction maximization mindset was I'm going to go from amenitizing that to just charging mm-hmm. $20 for it and providing no exactly. new value. And the problem with that approach is when you maximize transaction value, a lot of times what will happen is you start to harm, there's a trade-off with that relationship equity, that trust account, right? Uh, with, with the stakeholder of your business. In this case, it's the resident. Um, what changed, you know, and what Second Nature's goal here was to do is saying, we're gonna provide real tangible value that changes the game. And that's getting air filters changed on time. That's building the resident's credit score. That's getting utilities set up in one call as opposed to four different calls. It's, you know, all the different, without listing all the different parts of it. Hey, these are truly unique, serious services that are value add. And yes, we want to include these other things as a point of communication and articulating more clearly so it's appreciated, so that it's recognized the professional difference, you know, it's core to your systems and how you operate. Um, but that, that's a totally different approach, motivated by a different mindset, and it builds trust as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, erodes trust. And so you guys waiting for that moment you know, makes, makes total sense. Uh, you know, and, that's, and we're seeing that become very, uh, a popular choice now that you know, really the product is rounded out in such a way like there was this idea but now the product suite is really there to deliver on the promise and the last thing i want to say phil before just giving the final word to you is 
You've talked throughout this podcast about the importance of expectations. And something we talk to our team about is, you know, property managers are in the experience business, whether they recognize it or not, whether they think about it or not, or talk about it or not. And when you think about experience, experience is a function of like what is happening versus expectations. You mentioned investors telling you, do what you say you're going to do. And that's like meeting my expectations. But further, your team is pushing, how do we exceed those expectations? Many people say under promise and over deliver. But again, when somebody's transaction or activity oriented, they're saying, well, just how do I get this lease signed, you know, as quickly as possible uh, versus asking a question of how do I set this resident up, you know, with the right expectations where they're going to be delighted, where they're going to feel, you know, uh, understood, where they're going to be feel taken care of, where they're going to be educated so that the kinds of things they're going to encounter, good and bad, right, are, are, a, are a surprise in a positive way as much as possible and a surprise in a negative way as, you know, unoften as possible, if that's the right, if that's the right term to use. And so, you guys being really intentional about that communication uh, and about that relationship, it just, I imagine it's the relationship between expectations and experience. You flipped it. Most people every day in property management experience how, you know, expectations are higher than experience and they just, they see moments where that manifests across residents and investors alike where they just like, oh, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. And they're complaining and they're emotional and it's, it's, and you get stuck between people's money, between their expectations. It's, it's hard to be there. And what you guys are doing is saying, okay, how do we communicate expectations and how do we elevate our experience? So actually this isn't a deficit. It's an advantage. It's actually what we hang our hat on. It's the number one resident experience. It's the number one investor experience, you know, in our market. And when you do that, it forces not a comparison. You were talking about your team, you know, in business development of someone saying, well, I can do it myself for a little bit cheaper, right? Or I can, <laughs> you, you, right. you start to have, when you have the Grand Canyon, it's no longer a comparison. It's you've got to turn left or you got to turn right. You're not forcing a comparison. You're forcing a choice. And there's right. a differentiated experience you're providing. That's so powerful. So anyway, I just wanted to, to reflect that back and Phil, I'd love to leave the last word for you. Anything we didn't cover in this conversation? Is there anything else you feel like would be important for property managers to know that are listening to this? Oh, I'm 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 the new kid on the block, so uh, I'm, I just enjoy listening to everybody and, and what they have to say. And uh, I, I think there's uh, probably less value I can provide. I, I think one thing that's interesting thing is I've seen it from a lot of hedge funds, Andrew, that they come into a market and just not knowing that that uh, lack of knowledge in a market or whatever, that kind of ignorance, if you will, um, they they try some things and we're like, that's never going to work. And it works. And we're like, ah, you know, uh, we just get kind of comfortable where we are. So uh, I, I'm hoping that what we're providing is kind of the new kids on the block uh, is is maybe some of that uh, ignorance and, and stubbornness uh, that we're, you know, we're, we've kind of got our minds set on something and we're going to figure out how to do it um, and kind of change things, disrupt things a little bit. Uh, you know, 
you mentioned a couple things that uh, a while back that it, it triggered something from a long time ago that we said where the phones would, would ring off the hook and, and they still do. Um, but it was always the fire, like putting out fires every single day. Like what fire am I going to put out today? And that doesn't excite anyone to come to work. And, you know, that really got us thinking, what if, one, what if the phones never rang? Or two, and, and that's kind of what you said is meeting expectations, right? Okay, if the phones stop ringing, then we're, we're doing our job. We'll take it another level. I said, well, well, what if the phones rang and you were happy to answer the phone because someone was calling to thank you? And, and that was kind of a, a flip of the mindset that like, what if, what if, how do we do our jobs better? so that the phones stop ringing and then how can we do our job so well that we want to answer the phones we want the phones to ring right and so i think a lot of it's just shifting some of that mindset of of finding what the problem is and and what's our solution and um in in our core traits uh lencioni um through some exercises we came up with six core characteristic traits and and one of those is solution oriented uh being solution oriented and that's that's what we want i mean we're people people pay us and part of the profitability um how we're in business is people pay us to solve problems um and that's what we're here to do and i think so many times we you know, we say, well, uh, there are a lot of complaints and, and property management is, is typically just a, there's a negative connotation to it. And, and we don't want that. Uh, we want to, we want everyone to love coming into work, love what they're doing, uh, love growing the business, love serving and helping other people. Um, and, and we want to bring a, a, uh, shift in culture and, and philosophy, not only to our company, but to the entire industry. Uh, and I think second nature is, you know, tremendous for that, uh, the way you guys think and, um, and, and non-traditional, you guys are, you guys are purple, we're orange. Um, so just, uh, you know, having a lot of fun with it. Uh, it, it, it is a very serious business. It's a grind, but, um, let's, let's have fun. Let's enjoy what we're doing. And I think that what we can, do is is create this entire shift in the market in the, in the marketplace in the industry um where you know uh there are challenges in, involved with it and i think everyone's excited about kind of where the real estate market is and and the growth and the changes and and how we get through that but um that was that's our big thing uh we love what we do uh we enjoy doing it um you know we think we, we like to think that um we're doing it different and, and that's our, uh, that's our niche. Uh, you know, I make comments all the time about, well, Disney's doing this or four seasons is doing this. And, and sometimes there's pushback that like, we're, we're not the four seasons. Like, and it's like, well, that it doesn't mean that we can't provide some level uh, of experience. Um, and, and I think the difference you mentioned service and experience. Um, sure. If you, if you put us on paper, property management is a service-based business, right? But, could we create, and I think second nature is, is looking to kind of create a new market segment is, is there an experience based business, right? Service is transactional. How we do it is the experience. And if we can focus on that, everything else will fall into place. And, and if we trust that, uh, we'll continue to grow, we'll continue to scale. And, and I think we're learning, uh, kind of in this no man's land. Um, do we want to grow? Do we want to scale? Um, I think there's a level of profit maximization that we'll see uh, where our system, our pod system, uh, reaches a, a profit maximization point at this 
number of doors per market. And, and then we go on to the next market, on to the next market and kind of let things grow organically from there, uh, shift the marketing dollars, et cetera. Um, I think everyone's figuring that out. Uh, there's no, there's no wrong, um, system. Uh, I just enjoy talking to everyone, learning what everyone is doing, what we can implement, um, sharing all the mistakes we've made to, to let people know, don't do that. Um, uh, but no, we're, we're having a lot of fun and, uh, just appreciate the, uh, the time and having me on and, and hopefully, uh, somebody got something of value out of it. Phil, thanks so much. And, uh, I know the people listening to this, you know, oftentimes we get feedback and, I think, I think what you will hear over time, and I know what we hear over time is, hey, I listened to that episode, just like you reach out to us after listening to Todd and Matt Whitaker. And you know, when you say, hey, your goal is not just to have uh, an influence on, on your immediate customers, but uh, an industry you know, type of ripple, uh, you know, I- I'm glad that you generously invested your time and, and shared your time with us today and the audience today. Uh, in the spirit of that purpose. And uh, this is the kind of change we want to see in the industry. It's where we see the leaders going and taking taking things. Thank you for being one of them. Uh, thanks to your team for everything that you do. And uh, we just want to give encouragement to the people like you who are taking, taking risks every day, who are saying, we're going to try taking new ground. We're going to try to do things differently. We're going to try to do things people have never done before because that's what takes us all forward when people can show the way and pave the path. So with that, Phil, thanks again uh, so much for being here with us today. Look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much, Andrew. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for the time. That's all for this episode of The Triple Win. Thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers.